I really know how to be glad when he said, let's go to the house of the Lord. How glad we should be to be at the house of the Lord with his people. I've had the opportunity today to see little children that Jesus loved and so do you. I've had the opportunity today to hear a man that is your pastor that I have no idea what he looks like. But to love him who I have not seen. And neither have I seen Jesus. But I love him. How could this all be if there wasn't a God who loved us first and sent his son? I have so many things I'd love to say to you. I had a friend who called me yesterday and he had the virus and he wanted to know if I could preach for him. I said, I'm already committed. And so I know this is not interesting to you, but it is to me. (laughs) And uh, I, I, I said, now, preacher, I just need to ask you something if you feel like you can answer it. I said, I didn't get to preach last Sunday due to the bad weather. I said, now, today, should I feed him a double dose? And he said, let him have it. So, bless you. I don't know for sure if I'll take his advice or not. I don't think I will. Because you've been so kind to me. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your sharing of love. I really sense your care for your pastor. And I know he cares for you. And we're under the care of a God who keeps a track of the stars. When they fall, the rising set of the sun the storms and all things that happen, He is in all power with us. I had no idea that that would be my introduction, but that's it. You know, there's two powers in this world today, and those two powers are after your soul. God's power and Satan's power. One power is a power of love and one power is a power of hate. One power gives and one power takes. One power is the author of confusion. Have you ever been confused? Oh, the Lord doesn't love you? Where did that come from? The devil who hates you. And you see, Satan's tactics never change. The same thing works on us that worked on Adam and Eve. Did God really say you can't do that? You see, Satan is after your soul. But he can't get it. But you know what he goes for second if he can't get your soul? Your body. Mm -hmm. He's the author of confusion. He questions your love to God and your love to the church. He questions mercy and love and grace and he even questioned Jesus. How do you think life would be if we didn't have to deal with the devil, Satan? And yet yesterday and today we have overlooked the warning of God. Adam and Eve did the same thing. 
They didn't believe it would be a flood. We don't believe there's going to be destruction by fire and everything's going to be consumed here. We don't believe that. A lot of folks you know don't believe it. So then why hurry? Why get in a worry? I want to share with you 25 words that will change your life. Maybe it's already done it. You see, these words uh, deal with the Father's heart and the Father's plan and the Father's will. You've probably already figured out these 25 words. His heart. He loved the world. His plan. He gave His only begotten Son. His will. That whosoever would believe in Him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now let's say these 25 words. Are you ready? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have... Praise the Lord. Everlasting life. You know, early in Jesus' life, he was under the direction of Joseph and Mary. Oh, what a family. Childhood passed pretty fast in that carpenter shop with Jesus and Joseph. And there was an entrance into ministry with Joseph, with, with Jesus from Joseph and Mary's house. Thirty-three and a third years passed fast from childhood to adulthood And in this ministry, he came into a world that was cruel, evil, and it hated people. Uh, He came into a world that he was willing to receive as his own. And his own people said, no, we won't receive you. He came into this world to give salvation, the gift from God. And folks said, we don't need it. Salvation, the gift of God. And yet, Jesus continued to teach and preach and draw a crowd. He would draw them to the seaside or the mountainside, in villages and from house to house. And Jesus spoke like no other man spoke. I guess that's why folks came to hear him teach. Kindness was in his voice. He loved little children. Didn't you see that sight again today? Little children. He loved them. And folks thought that was a waste of time. He had care for sinners, and folks didn't like his attitude towards sinners. And yet he loved sinners. And the people really didn't find the place for Jesus in their life. They didn't want him as a friend called Jesus. And they caused him trouble. And they tried to trick him and deceive him and get him to do things that they would not agree with. And most of what he did, they didn't agree with. You remember the time that those Pharisees brought a woman to Jesus and said, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. The very act. The law says, Stoner, what sayest thou? He's trying to trick them, you see, on this law situation and this grace situation. And Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground, and in a minute he stood up and he said, 
He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And one by one they left and Jesus turned and said, Woman, where are your accusers? And she said, There is none. And He said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And folks can't understand that today. Has He spoken to you peace to say with your sinful situation, I forgive you. I love you. And it's according to grace, not according to law. It's not according to man's desire and man's will, but it's according to the Father's will. And so Jesus' love for sinners was a mystery. Why He could love a sinner and forgive him of sin. You see, this is why He could do it. God was in Christ, and Christ was in man. And Christ can be in you, and you can have hope of glory. Heavens can be your home. And that's a mystery to man. To know that your sin debt is settled. You're sure about it. Been born again. And you're saved. But you still have the same body. I've been saved since I was ten and a half years old. And I've had this same old body. I mean, this, not this, no, it wasn't old once. But anyway, I've got this same body. But I'm saved. Now you see, I'm prone to wander and I'm prone to stray and I'm prone at times to forget God and what He said He'd do for me. Are you? I'm human. I'm body. But I have a spirit that is saved by His grace and kept by His power and I don't have any worry this morning. And yet... I'm prone to think wrong thoughts. I'm prone to do things that are not right. I'm human. But yet there is a power in me greater than that power of sin and Satan. That power that is in me is called carnality, carnal. The carnal-minded man is in danger. So he needs help with his carnal nature. You see, uh, the carnality of us questions love, mercy, and grace. And Satan says, now, are you really sure you're safe? Now, you've probably never had that said to you. (laughs) But he's always wanting to know, are you sure? You're going to heaven when you die? And you see, Satan makes all kinds of effort to confuse us. Let's turn to the book of Galatians, and Paul explains it this way, and I'll attempt to do it for you today as I see it. You know, Satan says that salvation is by works and it's by keeping law and it's keeping command. And the Judaizers and the Pharisees believed this. And when a man said it was by grace he was saved and it was by faith he received the Lord, and the Judaizers said, yeah, that's true, but you've got to keep working in order to keep saved. I know a lot of people that probably would never have salvation if they had to keep working to you. So is salvation by works or by grace? And that was a conflict that Paul dealt with in the Galatian letter. And he said, you know, you're being bewitched. The power of the world wants to confuse you. Were you saved by what you did or were you saved by what Jesus did? That'll put it in a new light, you see. By grace are you saved through faith. A belief, a trust, a commitment to Him. 
And the Bible says in Galatians also there, Abraham believed God. And that belief was counted for righteousness and acceptance. Have you believed what you heard? Did you receive what He offered you? Salvation. Cleansing from sin. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says. If you've been saved, you ought to know it. If you've been saved, you can tell it. And you don't have to ask James Jones or Charles Turner to tell it for you if you have it. I love that. I hoped you'd say there. Oh my goodness. Paul said... Don't let them bewitch you and deceive you. You see, grace enables the sinner to respond to the Holy Spirit. Oh, let me stop here a minute and just tell you something. You could never have been saved had it not been your response to the Holy Spirit. I mean, He spoke to you, He called you and made you know something was wrong, and you said for a time, I don't think so. But the Holy Spirit knocked again and a sermon was preached or a a friend spoke to you and you felt under conviction. It was called sorrow. It was called grief. It was called trouble. And, And you said, you know, Holy Spirit, you are bothering me. I do need Jesus. I can't save myself. I come surrendering to you. Is that about like it happened? And He reached down and took you. You didn't reach up and take Him. And since He took you, you're in the safe keeping of the Lord who has never lost anybody. Oh, it'll preach, folks. It'll preach. Thank you. You're a wonderful people to preach to. But you see, Satan's opposing what I'm telling you now. He, he's going to say, now, are, are you really sure? That preacher sounds like he's sure, but I don't know whether I am or not. You ought to know whether you're sure or not. If you're saved, why did he save you? Not just from hell. He saved you for service. He saved you for help to somebody else. Anybody here that helped you any time in life? Right. Are you here to help anybody? I mean, are you going to pass it on? Or are you just going to say, I'll handle it from here on out by myself. I don't need it. I need help. I mean, can you imagine how I'd be this morning if I was preaching to the pews? <laughs> I need you. I need to tell you what you already know, and you need to tell it to somebody else that doesn't know. And yet Satan opposes the voice you have to share the love of Jesus to those who have not heard. But you know, since we're saved, going to heaven, uh, Satan really, uh, he wants to present us choices on our way to heaven. And he says, by the way, Do you know there is a broad road? And Jesus said, by the way, do you know there's a narrow road? And there's there's two roads there. And and you have to make a choice almost every day of which road you're going to take. And Satan really tells you his road's best. It's crowded, and it sure is. And Jesus says, my road's narrow, and there's few there be that find it. But there's a safety on my road. Now Satan's road, the broad road, leads to death. But my road, the narrow road, leads to life. Are you on that road to life? Are you really enjoying life? You think it's going to get better or worse? Let me tell you right now, folks, we're Christians, we're believers in Christ. It's going to get better, but not here. Not here. Evil men wax worse and worse. 
So Jesus, uh, he, he had a plan that he wanted you to be fruitful and bear fruit. And Satan has a plan. He says, you don't need to bear fruit. You just got to live successfully. And so we try. Now you do know by now that Jesus doesn't want you to be fruitful. He don't want you to be helpful. He says you've got to watch out. It's a dog-eat-dog world down here. And if you don't get it, you probably never get it. It's grab time. Get it. And so uh, Jesus said, I I want you to produce good fruit. Do Do you consider yourself a fruitful Christian? You know, uh, the Scripture says, bring forth fruit, meat, evidence of repentance. Now, what in the world does that mean? We say we're saved. We say we have salvation, the gift of God. So what does it mean to be saved? Uh, uh, To bear fruit. To be fruitful, Christ-like. What kind of fruit? Well, the Bible says there is a fruit of love, joy, peace, gentleness, sharing and caring in Christ's likeness. Do you bear any fruit? Do you have any of these fruits in your life? Any evidences of it? Now, Jesus was also pretty stern about this fruitfulness. He said, you know, uh, non-productive Christians are in a bad situation. If you don't produce any fruit, this is what he said about it in the 13th chapter of Luke. Jesus gave this parable. He said a a man had a fig tree. And three years he came looking at this tree to see fruit on it. And there was none. That's the keeper of the fig tree. And Jesus said to the keeper of this fig tree... I've been coming three years to see fruit on the tree, and I find none. Why cumber it the ground? Cut it down. And the keeper of the tree said, But master, give me one more year, and I want to fertilize that tree, dung it, and I want to work about that tree, and then if it doesn't produce any fruit, Cut it down. You know, if the Lord looked at my life this morning and He looked for some fruit, would He find any love and joy and peace and happiness? Has He seen many things that I've done that showed His love visibly? Wouldn't it be sad to be here and be blessed in a good old America? And have the freedom and joy we have and no fruit. No evidence that we're saved. Nobody could ever say, I see Christ in Him. I, 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 I hear more than words. I see love in action and in power. So if Jesus came looking for fruit in your life this morning, would He find any? Or would he say, why cumber it to ground? Why give them any more days? Look at the days and the times they've had and the opportunities they've had and there's no fruit. I think Jesus would say, let's give it one more year and see what will happen then. Oh, what could happen next as these months slip into 
a year as we bear fruit. Evidence that we've been saved, fruit meet of repentance. You know, bearing fruit has so much to do with location. Now, this is the part I really want you to take home. If you're going to be fruitful, you've got to watch your location. You've got to watch your association. And then you've got to watch your friends if you want to be fruitful. Now, take location. You remember when Peter was a little bit uh, frightened about the fact that the mob might get Jesus and he got with the wrong crowd and the Romans and he tried to act all right and he warmed by the wrong fire and they said, but aren't you one of them? And he said, no, don't know the man. And the damsel said, well, your speech agrees like him. You sound like one of them. He said, I don't know the man. And he denied knowing Jesus. Was he fruitful? Did his association have anything to do with what he could say and do? He had been really on fire and loving the Lord. Isn't it amazing how fruitful some people have been and now there is no fruit whatever? Uh, A location or association. Can you imagine the time that Abraham and Lot were traveling along and Abraham said, which way you want to go? And he said, I want this valley. And it was the valley that led into Sodom. And that's what I want. And, and, you know, his location, his association, what did it do with his faith? His own son-in-laws mocked him. And it had to have been for the angels leading him out, even with his wife. I don't know what could have happened to Lot. But that's the God who watches over the righteous. Oh, saved, so is by fire. Fire and brimstone got the family and friends in Sodom, but Abraham and the righteous man led him out. Association and friends makes a difference in fruit bearing. Are you with anybody that's hindering your fruit production, Christ-likeness? I mean... Uh, do you ever go any place? <laughs> Grandmom used to ask me when I'd get ready to go from her house places. She'd say, now, son, if you're as good, just as good as you look, you'll be all right. And I think she thought I looked all right. <laughs> but you know, looks can be to say, you can go somewhere looking all right and not be right. You can leave being wrong, too. But it stayed with me. You know, association and, and, and fruitfulness go together. Friends, so... Oh. Did, did your parents ever ask you, where are you going, who are you going to be with? And you thought that's kind of bossy, didn't you? They had a perfect right to ask that. Association really does make a difference. Won't you be glad today to tell them you've been to church? And when they get out there with you, won't it be great if, they, if you talk like you've been to church? You know, <clears throat> you have to watch people. Some of my friends, you know they've been to a ball game because that's all they ever talk about. And uh, it's amazing, you know, what you love is what you talk about. And what you need to do is, is talk about this Jesus you say has saved you. He, he's caused you to be fruitful and to be helpful. And he's blessed you. And you're happy. Now, there's one more fellow there in the scripture that you need to give attention to. 
And that's this boy who, who had all he could take of his father's house and doing what his father said do. And he left and he got on that broad road that led to the far country. And, and I mean, here's a boy that had it all. And, and soon he has nothing. The money's gone. The friends are gone. And he's feeding hogs. And he smells like a pig. And he just, he's just in the gutter. Now, do you think association had anything to do with that? Do you think location had anything to do with that? He left the father's house. Now, stay with me just a minute. Now, I'm not talking about the building, but I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about people in the pew. That's the church of the living God. And there's folks that leave this to go to the world and say, that's what I want. And they once were in the pew. They once could sing out of a hymn book. And I suppose some of them may have prayed. They said they did. Were they fruitful when they were here? Were they fruitful in the foreign country that led them to, I have nothing now. I have no friends, no care for me. I'm in trouble. But you see, this boy in the hog pen, away from the family, the church, thought of something. He said, you know, my father has hired servants that have more than I have. And he said, I, I, I've thought this thing out. I'm going to go to my father. And I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned. I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me a hired servant. Now, he's already a son. And he's still a son in the hog pen. And the boy gets up and starts to the father's house. And at a great distance, the father could see him, and the father ran to meet him with arms wide open. That's the father who can forgive sin and remember it no more. We do, but he don't. Cleanses us. And this father said, son, here's a new pair of shoes. And he put them on his feet. And he said, here's a ring I'm going to put on your finger. A symbol of a never-ending love. I never have stopped loving you, boy. I never will. You're my child. Oh, I grieve when you were gone, but I'm happy when you returned. And then he put a robe on his back. <clears throat> and then he did something that all oh, the brother just couldn't take. He killed that fatted calf and had a party for that boy after he'd been out in the hog pen and lived like a devil and didn't obey the father at all. And he said, come on home, son. Let me ask you this morning, friend. Have you ever heard of a backslider? Have you ever heard of somebody that said they were saved and started living like a devil? Now, if that happened to somebody you know, and uh, they got convicted of their sin, and the Holy Spirit said, what you need to do is come to the Father and come home. And he come walking in here some Sunday morning, looking pretty nice, dressed up pretty good. Would you say, uh-huh, you'll be leaving again soon, I know. Or would you have arms wide open and say, come on, I'm sorry you tried sin and found it not productive. We love you. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to love those that look like we look and smell like we look and do like we do. 
But there's a whole lot of people out there that say they're Christians that's not living for Christ. I don't know if they'll ever produce fruit. If they're not saved, they can't ever produce fruit. But if they're saved, God will do one thing or the other. He'll chasten and rebuke and bring that child back to Him or else He can cause the days to be shorter. And somebody says, I don't believe that. God's a merciful God. Let me tell you, He corrects His children His own. And he says, you know, you're my child. If you'll be obedient and respond to my love, I can show more grace and love and mercy than what the world's ever seen. What I want you to hear is God had a plan through his son to take care of sinners and their sins and forgive them and cleanse them and use them. Can he use you? Have you been freed from sin's condemnation? Do you know you're on the way to heaven? Do you plan on living a little bit more for Jesus if He gives you some more days? Will you stand? I I never know how to start a sermon and how to finish one, but I love to try. It's been so good to be in your presence today. You know somebody that's uh, walked all over the grace of God, say they're Christians, and they say they don't need the church anymore. You know what Jesus said about the church? He said He loved it. And He said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now there are a lot of folks that you know that don't love the Lord and the church, and they say they've been saved. How are you going to treat them? You think they need an encouraging word? They sure do. Have you got the word? Can you tell them God loves you? Not in the condition you're in, in the location you're in, and the friends you're with, but He loves you. He loved that prodigal son in the hog pen. And I'm afraid, folks, that we forget that most of the people that Jesus is interested in is beyond our reach. We can't touch them, but He can I found out a long time ago I can't save people, but I can tell them how to be saved. I can tell them where to go to find cleansing power and acceptance. You know, I found the beauty of the church to be beyond words. I can't tell you how great the church is, and that's you. And somebody sees Christ in you every day. May they see good fruit. Helpful fruit. Oh, how precious this moment is. How still and quiet. Be still and know I'm God. I really wonder sometimes when I'm preaching, what are you thinking about? And you say, well, I had to think about what you was talking about some of the time, but did you ramble a little bit while I was preaching think about some other things? I mean, right now, if you thought about somebody who said they love the Lord, but they don't live like the Lord would have them live now, and like they said they were going to live, and maybe they need encouragement. You know, it's, it's, 
it's sure wonderful to know that a part of our fruitfulness can be to love somebody who says they're not loved. And there's a lot of people in this world that says they're not loved. Nobody loves me. Do you love them? Let them know. Are we going to sing? Or I forget what we do. I see. What, I have to watch you folks because I want to do what you want me to do part of the time. Come on, brother. Are we going to sing a song? Yeah, number 104. 104. First, if you need to respond in the invitation in any way, I'll pray with you if you come in the altar and pray. You don't have to tell me a thing about what you're praying about. But if you want to come and pray, I'll pray with you. And the Lord will meet you as we pray, sing, and share together. Right. Holy Father, as we leave your place, that's dedicated to worship. Go our separate ways. Help us to know that you go with us. Bless us in a week that unfolds with protection and care. How good it was to hear folks say in my travel to work and back for the week you've been my protector and blesser. Continue, Lord, to watch over us and care for us. Bless those who are sick. Bring to them health, I pray, God, to your honor and glory. Bless them in this time of of waiting to see what you'll do. Give them patience and love. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.